Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very accomplished entrepreneur and a marketing expert from Mumbai, India, Mr. Rajesh Jain. Rajesh, welcome to the show. Hello, Ashutosh. Thank you very much for inviting me. Thank you. Uh, Rajesh is the founder and managing director of NetCore Cloud. He's an author. And all of you know, I'm very partial to authors. He's an author of a book titled Startup to Proficorn, and we'll talk about his book. He's a quintessential entrepreneur, founded several companies, and he's also a frequent blogger. So Rajesh, uh, before we talk marketing, which is a subject you're passionate about, tell me about your own journey in brief. Sure, Ashdosh. So I... Uh, studied in India, IIT Bombay, and then the US, uh, Columbia University. I worked there for a couple of years, and then I came back to India because my father had told me, mm. you finish uh, your master's work and then come back. Mm. The decision for me was made before I went. Right. After I came back, I uh, tried multiple things uh, in entrepreneurship. I failed. But then one idea worked, and uh, that was India World, India's first internet portals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we started that in 95 with my wife, Pavna. Wow. And I got a good exit. I sold that for $115 million uh, mm-hmm. in late 99. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my second company, Netcore, mm-hmm. just 25 years old. Uh, and in between, I did uh, about seven years on the periphery of politics. So I worked on Modi's first campaign. Wow. I funded it on my own. Mm-hmm. Then I tried to create a movement for freedom and prosperity in India, which Mm. didn't work. Mm. So I shut that down and then back to Netcore. Mm. Amazing. Amazing. What quite an all-rounded individual you are. Fantastic. So let's talk about marketing and MarTech, uh, a subject that you're passionate about. For my viewers and listeners, Rajesh, tell me what is MarTech and why is it important for businesses today? So we are all customers of many brands. So we all will live through what I'm going to talk about. Mm-hmm. But there are two, two types of uh, activities that marketers mm-hmm. of uh, primarily consumer companies do. Of course, it applies to B2B also. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of it is acquisition of customers. And the second is retention and growth of customers. Mm-hmm. So the world of acquisition is what is described as ad tech. Mm-hmm. Basically, you're using ads on tech platforms in the digital world to attract people uh, to come in. Uh, potential prospects, basically. And then there is the MarTech side, which deals with retention, growth, maximizing lifetime value, Mm. creating a very good journey for a customer and so on. Mm. So that's the difference. And uh, the world which I'm very excited about and which I work in is MarTech, uh, essentially about how can businesses maximize value from their existing customers. Mm. And why do you advocate a shift from ad tech to martech? So if you look at the world today, uh, in terms of spending, especially on the digital side, Mm -hmm. about $400 billion worldwide is being spent on ad tech, largely Mm -hmm. on Google, Meta, and a few other uh, platforms. Mm -hmm. Now, my estimate from conversations and analyzing a lot of data is that half of that money, that's about $200 billion, is actually being wasted. Mm. on account of reacquisition of customers mm-hmm. and wrong acquisition. Mm. Reacquisition means there are these what we call one and done customers. Mm. A brand has a hotline with them, but they are not responding to messages. 
and therefore they are reacquired through the ad tech platforms. And wrong acquisition is uh, people pay for brands, pay for the customer to uh, through the ad tech uh, platforms, but then the customer doesn't do a transaction and goes away. Mm. Now, this $200 billion is actually brand, technically is brand profits, mm. uh, which is showing up on the balance sheets of uh, of the large, uh, big ad tech firms. Correct. Now, so if, if, uh, if, if brands can rebalance budgets, mm. you know, eliminate this ad tech ad waste, Hmm. then I think it will do wonders to their profitability, which is the mantra today. Hmm. Amazing, amazing. And uh, given what you've just said, why are digital and e-com businesses not widely profitable? And how can they become profitable? So the, the number one reason actually is that they are not taking good care of their existing customers. Uh-huh. So it's what I call the e-folly. Right. So it's basically a big mistake which they are making by overly focusing on new customer acquisition. Mm. New acquisition is very easy. Mm. You have an agency, you give them the money and they'll keep acquiring new customers for Mm. you. Mm. But that's a leaky bucket. Now, the challenge, therefore, is for how can, uh, for marketers really is, how can they build deep relationships with their existing customers? How can they fix those uh, profit-killing customer experiences? Mm. We are all customers of brands. You know, we all know what we go through as brands. The messages we get are typically not personalized. Correct. Uh, we get sometimes too many messages, and they cause us to just switch off from uh, there. So attention recession, what I call it, and so on. There are discounts which brands give then to attract us back, which is a cost to the mm. brand. Mm. So if actually brands can focus on this shift to Martech, mm. it's hard. It's much harder work than the ad tech side. It's much easier to just give out money and and uh, get acquisition. I, right. I say it sometimes that marketers, basically, many marketers have become collection agents for Google and Meta. Correct. <laughs> that needs to change. Correct. So if brands can focus on existing customers, that's the key to profitability. Mm. Well said. And, you know, you also talk about profitably. What is profit profitably and what does it take to build it? So uh, Profi Poly is sort of short for profits monopoly. Mm-hmm. Now, essentially, if you think about uh, a business, the goal of a business is basically to make profits. Now, at the same time, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, uh, uh, as a CEO, what you also want to do is ensure sustainability of those profits. Mm-hmm. You don't want them to be ephemeral where a new competitor comes in and then you know you 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 lose those profits. Correct. Because that will then affect your growth and survivability. Mm. Now, how the best way to generate profits, as we just spoke about, is basically taking care of existing customers. Mm. But then beyond that, how do you create a profits monopoly? Mm. Which means that basically every industry has a finite pool of profits from the customers that they are serving. Mm. Now, the best moat that an entrepreneur can basically build is maximizing the profits pool share Mm. that the business can generate. Mm. And therefore, cutting away the oxygen of growth, which is equal to profits from competition. Right. So this is a very important idea because if you can maximize profit share, essentially you get what I call exponential forever profitable growth. Mm -hmm. And some examples, I mean, you look at Microsoft, it's dominance in in uh, Microsoft, uh, in Windows and Office for now more than a couple of decades. Correct. Uh, It used to be said that in the early days of the computing era, uh, 
that Wintel, basically Windows and Intel used to make 110% of industry profits because everyone else was losing 10%. Correct, correct. Uh, similarly with Google search, you know, the amount of money which Google's make, it prevents any competitor from basically rising in that space, creating a very defensible fortress. That's the mm. moat mm. uh, that is there. Very so what businesses really need to think about, and mm. I have a 4M, what I call a 4M framework. Mm -hmm. You need a magical product. Mm. You need to convert that into a money machine make that into a moat mm -hmm. that becomes basically a moat. Mm -hmm. And then finally you become a monopoly. Wow. The goal has to be to make a monopoly because mm -hmm. that's the only way uh, you're going to ensure long-term survivability. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Moving on, uh, Rajesh, what are some of the common mistakes that a lot of businesses make when implementing MarTech? Yeah, I, I think uh, one we spoke about basically the over uh, emphasis on new customer acquisition into a leaky bucket. Uh, I think the second one is that uh, they don't uh, actually look at personalizing experiences for us because they tend to treat pretty much everyone the same. Right. I'll give you a simple example. We walk into a physical store. Mm -hmm. Now, we may be a best customer of that brand. We may be having their uh, loyalty card. We may be among the uh, premium customer. But the only time they will know about our status is when we are at the checkout counter. Right. How can, like airlines, can they know us at when we check in, when mm. we walk into the store? Mm. And if we, if they if they knew that, they could then have the best salesperson mm. essentially uh, uh, available to us because the top 20% best customers mm. account for 60% revenue and in most cases, 150 to 200% of profits mm. because all the other, the long tail actually causes our businesses to lose money on account mm. of returns. Correct. And Correct. So what I call this is velvet rope marketing, basically that how do you create differentiated experiences for best customers? And most customers, most brands outside of maybe airlines and a few banks are actually not doing this. And it's very mm. easy to do mm. because you want, you want, those twenty percent customers figure out their life. I mean, figure out the lifetime value for all of your customers, mm -hmm. forward-looking, and then identify your best customers. Create a separate business unit for them, mm. and that's the key to really building a profits uh, monopoly. Well said. And if you do this well, you don't need to worry about discounting. Mm. All you got to think is how can I create uh, uh, exclusivity, uh, mm. access, envy among my best customers. I mean, mm. all they have to do is look at how the first class and business class uh, uh, experiences are there Correct. in airlines. Okay? And that be replicated in, 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 in B2C businesses. Well said, great response. And my next question is, how has the integration of AI and machine learning started to reshape MarTech? Yeah, so I think what's happening now is that... Uh, 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 because brands uh, have a lot of data available, you know, all our digital actions are being tracked. Mm. And this was not possible maybe 15, 20 years ago. Mm. In, the, in the consumer world, basically, mm. you have to, uh, you just had stores, you were selling through uh, intermediaries. It was very difficult to get direct customer data. Mm. Now, uh, with, with the digital footprint expanding, especially uh, after the pandemic, you know, yeah. digitization has gone up, uh, everyone, pretty much has digital devices, um, brands have websites, everything is trackable. So that's creating a lot of data. Mm. Now, AI is effectively data plus compute. Right. So you're only as good as your data. You can 
computing costs have also come down significantly mm. you know, by magnitudes over the last five to 10 years. Mm. But the key in this is data. Now, once the data is there, what does the brand really want to do? Mm. They want to predict what is going to be our next action. Mm -hmm. So I have bought maybe products A, B, and C. Mm. And what is the next product I'm going to buy? Because that's what they can pitch us effectively mm. in the communications mm. that they are sending us. Right. Now, what AI can let us let them do mm. is effectively say that, you know, the demographics that say Rajesh has mm. are similar to Sushil mm. in um, maybe Delhi. But Sushil has made five more purchases after making the same three purchases that Rajesh did. Mm. So can Rajesh's customer journey mirror that of Sushil? So what are the messages that Sushil reacted on mm. and made the purchase? Mm. So you can effectively figure out a customer genome for every customer. Wow. And that customer genome can then be mapped. Mm. In fact, in the ideal world, what AI, I think, will let us do, very much what's happening today in generative AI, Mm. It's enabled digital twins. Mm. Let's explain this concept. Digital twins have been used in manufacturing and in construction. They create a digital uh, replica, really, mm -hmm. of, a, of a physical world object. Mm. But no one's doing this today in marketing. Mm. Now imagine creating a digital twin of every customer. Mm. So just as uh, Chad GPT can basically predict the next word in a sentence or in a sequence. Correct. A digital twin with a large customer model can actually predict the next action that Rajesh is going to take in his customer journey. Wow. Okay. And that's really, I think, where the power of AI is going to come in. Mm. So creating those personalized journeys, personalized experiences for us, which for a brand maximizes lifetime value. Mm. It prevents me from churning away. It prevents me from being reacquired through expensive spending on uh, ad tech platforms and it creates for a delightful customer experience correct so the more we see products on websites or in apps that we like mm. the more likely we are going to buy mm. and that's i think the the power of uh, and the potential of ai going forward mm. well said so one more question before i move to your book how has martech been influenced by changes in consumer behavior um, such as the move to mobile or voice search yeah. So I think the key in this really has been, uh, Ashutosh, the fact that one of the biggest challenges that brands face mm -hmm. is that of attention recession. Mm -hmm. yeah, especially on, on mobile, there are lots of distractions which are there. And attention recession is a very serious problem. Mm -hmm. okay, because a brand basically has two ways to get people back to their property, which is Correct. a website or app. Mm -hmm. Number one is uh, the phenomenal brand recognition, like Amazon, Flipkart. We don't need any reminders to go and shop there. Yeah. But for most of the brands, they need these push messages. So emails, SMSs, push notifications, WhatsApp messages mm -hmm. to be able to pull us back to their property. Now, the challenge really has been that we get a lot of these messages. Mm -hmm. On mobiles, we get so many push notifications. Now, uh, uh, even when we are doing uh, voice searches, uh, uh, all of these technologies, we are, we are easily distracted. You know? mm. Our attention spans have, have reduced. Correct. The challenge for a brand has been that in a world where pretty much every competitor has a digital presence, mm. uh, any other platform, mm. uh, any other product is basically one click away. 
you know, the, the advantage of geography is no longer there really mm. on, on the digital mm. world. How can they build these deep relationships mm. with their existing customers? And there's mm. one very interesting innovation uh, which, which uh, we've been uh, working on, what I call inbox commerce. Mm. So the idea being that hitherto, all the conversion had to take place on a website or an mm. app. Mm. But now imagine if that conversion funnel can be brought right inside the mailbox, mm. right inside the inbox. Correct. So whether it's WhatsApp shops or email shops, mm. there are some very exciting new technologies coming up, mm. which I think will reduce the frictions. So all the in the customer journey, there are lots of frictions. And I think the new technologies will eliminate these funnel frictions mm. to maximize, to help brands maximize their revenue from their existing customers, mm. which I think is, is the cornerstone really for yeah. driving profitability uh, of, a, of for the brand. Great response. Thank you. So Rajesh, let's now talk about your book, Startup to Proficon. Tell me about your book and who is the intended audience? So the book basically is for entrepreneurs, uh, intrapreneurs, uh, uh, even startup founders. I think uh, this is the golden age of entrepreneurship in India. I think for the first time, capital is not a constraint. There is a celebration uh, of entrepreneurs. Uh, Failure is much more acceptable now. Mm. And the sort of prevalent model has really been that, oh, if you want to start a company, you need to go out and raise capital from Mm. either angels or venture capital. Uh, people, venture capitalists. And what I've done twice in my life with Mm. both my successes, India World and Netcore, is I've bootstrapped both businesses. Mm. So in my 30 years plus as an entrepreneur, I've never raised external capital. Of course, I've tried, but for various reasons that's not happened and it's a good thing Mm. in a way. (laughs) Now, what I've tried to do in the book is basically write about my experiences Mm -hmm. Uh, and a few others who have also built uh, proficons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, prof, 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 the, the the idea of a proficon is a business which is private, mm-hmm. which is bootstrapped, which is profitable, and which is highly valuable. Mm-hmm. So, and it's way, also you, a unicorn. It could be, but I'll explain why it doesn't have okay. to be a unicorn. Mm-hmm. So, in a unicorn, you need to reach a billion dollars in valuation, right, or or more. And founders typically have raised multiple rounds of capital, yeah. you know, series A, B, C, whatever. And they end up maybe with 10% stake. So it's $100 million. Mm-hmm. So in my reckoning, when I say highly valuable, as a bootstrapped company, if you can build $100 million of valuation, mm-hmm. okay, it's the same thing. And it's much easier to get to $100 million in valuation than a billion in valuation. Correct. And more importantly, you also control your own destiny. Right. You you don't have external investors to worry about, so you can have focus on customers mm. and uh, and your employees. And the reality, Ashutosh, is actually that ninety nine point nine percent businesses mm. are bootstrapped. You know, from Correct. the Kirana store to lots mm. of others. But we only only hear about companies who have raised a lot of capital. Mm. That's what uh, media tends to talk about. Mm. Now, admittedly, a lot of the people who start tend to stay small. Mm. And the book is really about how do you get past that hurdle. Right. How do you build large, valuable businesses mm-hmm. uh, through stories, the entire journey? Uh, I think the mindset has to be different and so on. Mm-hmm. But that's really the, the core thinking that there is a different model than raising capital. You can actually bootstrap to a, to a big business. That's the story and the, that's, that's the focus. Of Amazing. The and given the, the amount of, uh, you know, 
startup entrepreneurs you must have spoken to and the fact that you just told me in both your businesses you haven't built you know raised external funding my next question to you is what are some of the basic mistakes a lot of entrepreneurs make and how is the proficorn entrepreneur different yeah. let's start with some of the mistakes i think yeah. that's uh, that's very important i think the first mistake which i've made i made in my early days is uh, uh, I think having equal co-founders. Mm. Right? So uh, uh, I, I, I heard this, I, I, I got this advice from someone I said, who said, look, running a business is not running a, 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 a democratic environment. Okay. You have to be authoritarian. There has to be one person in charge. Mm. And what happens is co-founders are good, but when you have equal co-founders, the mm. tendency tends to be that both of you have to then agree on every decision that is being made. Mm. There is no one person in charge. Mm. Okay, And that is not a good uh, a good thing for a business because someone has to make the bet. I mean, it's almost authoritarian in that respect. You can mm. take views from everyone because it hurts the speed. Speed is very important. Otherwise, you're trying to get consensus on everything. So avoid equal co-founder. The themes which I discuss in my book mm. are from mistakes which I've made in my life Correct. sometimes. Correct. Uh, the second one is... Uh, I think many times entrepreneurs mistake billing mm. as cash in the bank. Mm. So they have to pay attention to cash flows. Yeah. Okay. Uh, 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 in India, especially, uh, we realize that it takes sometimes 60 days, 90 days, 120 days yeah. to get, get paid. Mm. But a lot of your employees, your rents, your statutory dues have to be paid in 30 days. Correct. So how do you manage those 60 days, 90 days of cash flow? So you need that buffer money. Uh, that's there. And I think the third thing is that many times when entrepreneurs start, they're already thinking about the exit. Mm. Okay, I'm going to grow this business to X and then I'm going to get this valuation mm. and then I'm going to make money from it. Mm. That's the wrong way to, to build right. it out. The focus has to really be on what problem you are solving. So yeah. fall in love with the problem, not the solution. Yeah. And how do you create value? Mm. Okay, it's like a double thank you moment. Your mm. customer has to pay you because they realize that the value that you're going to provide is more than the money they're going to pay you. So that's a win Correct. for them. Mm. And therefore, it's going to be a win for you. It's a double thank you moment. So it's very important for entrepreneurs to basically not worry about okay the exit, etc. You got While you're running the business, it's got to be, I'm going to run this business for the rest of my life. Mm. And of course, if exit opportunities come, I'm always going to look at it. But uh, uh, many times, it's the short-term thinking. It's yes. like Simon Sinek's infinite mindset. Mm. which has to be there, which has to sort of drive you to wake up and go to work every morning. That mm. that uh, passion has to be there. Amazing. So those are the mistakes. Mm. Uh, on the other question of uh, how are Proficon entrepreneurs different? Mm. Uh, I think first is, of course, uh, the mindset of profitability, that the business model from day one has to essentially focus on profitability because there is no other source of capital mm. other than maybe some initial capital which the entrepreneur puts in. Uh, there is no investor capital. So if you're not profitable, the business is going to die. Mm. Second is, I think that because there are no investors to worry about, uh, and I've seen entrepreneurs spend half their time engaging with either current investors or future investors. You know, mm. it's a treadmill of raising one yeah. round after another round. Mm. You can actually spend a lot more time with customers. And I think that's where you learn about the problems. That's where you build your profit engines. Because as an entrepreneur, you've got to first uh, build your 
uh, first profit engine, and then the continuing innovation that you can do for the successive profit engine, because you're always going to have competition right. uh, out there. Right. I think that's the second one. And the third one uh, is, uh, uh, and, I, and I, I thought about this when the pandemic had started, I said unicorns in, in crises, unicorns fire, proficons hire. Wow. <laughs> uh, so basically, because uh, we, we, we didn't have any investor pressure to basically reduce the reduce the cash fund or anything, we are profitable. Mm. Uh, so even in Netcore, what we did at that time was we we froze salaries because there was an uncertain future ahead, but we did not lay off anyone. Mm. Um, and longer term, I think that's the right strategy because it helps in the company culture because mm. you're not fair weather people. You're not fair weather employers. Uh, right. uh, you're there with the employees. And it also helps in, in uh, the fact that employees know that they don't have to keep worrying about mistakes is making mm. uh, and i'm not going to pay the price just because you made a business mistake you're not going to just fire me well said because there is a buffer there is a cash buffer at every stage mm. uh, that is there and that also helps employees i think become more entrepreneurial because you know that you have a little safety net at the bottom so you correct. can take risks correct otherwise it's always investors are saying this investors are saying that there's this hot new trend that we have to chase I think most important is, you know, the freedom that that Proficon entrepreneurs have to think long term and build their businesses. Amazing. Amazing. Rajesh, on that note, uh, and uh, the incredible learning I've had from you in this conversation, I normally ask a lot, all my guests about three lessons, but I think you've already given me three amazing lessons, which is, you know, be wary of equal co-founders second you said is focus on the cash flow because billing is not cash in the bank and third one you said was start don't start with thinking of the exit think about how do you create value thank you so much for talking to me about your own incredible journey thank you for talking to me about martech i think this was not just an incredible 101 on martech but i think you went into so much detail about different aspects of martech and how this is different from ad tech. Thank you for introducing me to the word uh, Profipoly uh, mm-hmm. and Proficorn. Thank you also for speaking to me about your amazing book, Startup uh, to Proficorn, and how uh, Proficorn entrepreneurs are different. Thank you again for speaking to me, and good luck. Thank you very much, Ashutosh. Great conversation. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience, and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website, www.tbcy.in, to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.